Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another live edition of the ONG Strike Zone. I'm Brian Fulford. That's Kelvin Rozier. And that other guy is Kofi Hemingway. Uh, brothers, it's good to see you guys. Kelvin, Kofi, how you doing, man? Good to see you, man. Glad you got on Orange this week. Well, doing well, well, man. I see, I see we all got well, man. I'm enthusiastic about being here, Brian. <laughs> See, if you guys only knew what goes on before this, before <sighs> the painstaking hours and everything that goes into into putting this uh, live show together. Uh, yeah, we we yeah, good good to see everybody here. Enthusiastic. We got a good show planned for you today, folks. Rattler Nation. Uh, plenty of stuff to talk about today. Loaded show coming up very early in our uh, opening. Uh, uh, really, in our second segment, we'll take a quick. Uh, time out in between. Uh, we've got a our first guest coming up will be uh, Colonel Gregory Clark, the uh, FAMU National National Alumni Association president. Will be coming on to talk about uh, what's happening with our alumni association and uh, maybe give us from his perspective the state of Rattler athletics. You know, uh, so it'll be always good to hear from him. Uh, also, we, uh, we've got some things to celebrate as our guy, MJ Randolph, was recognized as the SWAC Men's Basketball Player of the Year. Uh, we gotta, we'll talk about the win over Bethune coming up here shortly in the SWAC Basketball Tournament a little bit later in the show. Uh, the Rattlers uh, open up the tournament tomorrow evening against Alabama A&M. So um, hopefully there's some Rattlers that are traveling to Birmingham, or at least there's a good contingent of Rattlers in the Birmingham area, Alabama area, that will be uh, heading to that game. And then also, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the things, the week that was, the week that's ahead. Uh, We've also got to take time out to talk about uh, a fallen Rattler, another uh, legendary coaching figure uh, in the – in, in FAMU athletics, uh, passed away uh, over the past week. Uh, head coach uh, Joe Durant and uh, passed away at the age of 72. So we'll talk about that and uh, we'll get a chance. Actually, uh, Colonel Clark 
was uh, was a former baseball player, and uh, in those seasons when they won uh, those MEAC titles, so we'll we'll get a chance to kind of hear firsthand from uh, one of his guys. So that's kind of fitting. And then a little bit later in the second hour, I had a great conversation with one of the members of the Dark Cloud defense, who is also a esports champion. Uh, that his name is Donald Hall, and uh, Donald Hall. Right there is the uh, is the top dog on campus in terms of Madden 22, and even NBA 2K 22, and uh, you know that's one of the things that you know the SWAC has this new gaming esports league, and so uh, you know one of the first tournaments on FAMU's campus he won, and so I, I had a conversation with him. You'll get a chance to listen to that. Pretty interesting, funny stuff there. All right, so fellas, let's talk about let's get into the early part of our first segment because it's going to be a short segment before we come in with Colonel Clark. Uh, before we do that, let me remind you if you're if you're watching the show right now, go ahead and take a second, hit the like button if you're watching us on YouTube, and go ahead and subscribe if you are not already subscribed to the uh, JBN site. Um, please do so, and then if you're on Facebook, go ahead and watch us, hit that like button and share. You know, I want to make sure you share the show because, again, coming up about 8.15, we've got Colonel Clark coming on for that segment. But let's start with the win over Bethune. Kelvin, I'm assuming you were in the house for that game. Uh, give us give us the, uh, the uh, firsthand uh, recap of the atmosphere for a great win by the Rattlers over the Wildcats. The first thing we talked about uh, was Rally Nation being able to show out and, and hit around that 5,000 number. And uh, uh, Rally Nation responded. It was very well attended. Uh, a lot of the players um, mentioned about the atmosphere. Um, I, I wish we we can make that atmosphere like that every home game. And um, hopefully we'll, we're working toward that. But um, it was a great crowd. A great atmosphere, and um, the team, the, the the men's team, they uh, they persevered. Um, I saw your predictions on on your other show, and uh, even though you were scared, you was kind of screwed. You went with the Rattlers, and, and and you were the only smart one on that show. I don't know what what's up with Drew. Um, I'm gonna call him out later. But uh, a lot of times in anyway. Alabama, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> a lot of times he's spitting Alabama. But anyway, uh, with the men's game, um, the Rattlers led most of the game. Um, they didn't really create separation on what they did. Bethune had some pretty good shooters. They they don't have much size, but they have some pretty good shooters. And so um, they shot free throws extremely well, and they shot three well enough. To stay with us most of the game, but we uh we put up like eighty points, man. We we shot the ball, we shot the ball well, um that game, and I would tell you a look, carrot for the tournament bus is um Jalen Spears being back. Now we have a, a real point guard who can distribute, who can also score and create his own shot, um, but handles the press a lot better and and uh, has a better. Um, turnover ratio. So um, I thought that uh, the team 
got what he needed, which is a W going into the tournament. And um, I think Jalen is going to be our secret weapon because most teams in the in the conference hadn't seen him. And you got to remember, this team is a veteran team. Um, they've been through even this year. They've they've won a lot of close games. They won on the road. They you know, and, and they're still hungry because they didn't get a chance to play um, for a couple of years for a MIAC title, and then COVID took took a year away. So these seniors really hadn't had a chance to play for a, a conference uh, tournament title, but maybe once if that. So uh, they're hungry too, and so. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to what they do, but it was a good win. And then on the on the women's side, of course, uh, you know it, it was it's been a tough season, and um, I see that coach is already hitting the recruiting trail, and um, hopefully we can make some inroads there. Uh, it was seniors. Also, I want to mention it was seniors on day for men and women, so we honored our seniors. We had four on the men's side, two on I believe two on the women's side, so. Uh, it was good to, you know, to acknowledge and, and we did, we acknowledged the uh, cheerleader singers also. So it was just a good atmosphere, a good win. Kofi, uh, take away your thoughts. Uh, good win, good, uh, good setup for us going into the SWAC tournament. Absolutely. Um, everything that Kelvin said, I just want to echo. Um, <clears throat> and this is just a tremendous opportunity for us to build. Um, our bas- I want to see our basketball program really become consistently, or I want to say consistent uh, winners, and I want to say at the championship level, especially on the conference level, um, and even nationally. I think the FAMU has that opportunity to definitely do that, and I think that um, you know definitely the the Bethune Cookman game is always a showcase game for any potential recruits that may be coming in in the spring, they have an opportunity to see the atmosphere, see what's going on, see what we have. But the good news is we haven't peaked. Um, The bad news is we haven't peaked. So (laughs) um, going into the conference tournament, uh, I think as as Kelvin stated, Jalen is uh, going to be the difference maker. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he played in the last game that we did. He play in the last game against Alabama A and M or no? He just came back uh, uh, two weeks ago, so I'm not sure. I'll double check. Okay. Keep talking. I'll let you know. Okay. So, either way, I think that he is still a difference maker. I think, um, you know, one way to look at it is that we beat them up there, they beat us at our place, and. I think the team that won the last game is going to probably be under the most pressure. Um, they're evenly matched, and so we're gonna be at, we're gonna have to make plays down the stretch and step up on our on the defensive end. And I think if we do that, I think that we stand a very good opportunity to to win and definitely um, uh, get to the next round. Yeah, uh, Spears was not there uh, for that first contest that uh, that we played with them. He, he was not there. And we won that game. That. Uh, no, that was the home game. That was the home game, the one where they shot 25 free throws in the second half. Uh, the most ridiculous stat I think you'll ever see. Um, 
I, I, I was a part of a ridiculous free throw stat game over the weekend, but but that was ridiculous. 25, they were 20 of 25. So you, you factor in that they were 20 of 25 in the second half, you know, it just uh, let's hope we don't get those referees in the tournament. It's bad enough they'll be dealing with home cooking. But, yeah, Spears was not there uh, for that uh, game. So, yeah, you know, that was one of the things that the guys – when we did the preview show, we're asking who other than MJ. And what I told him is, I mean, you know, fam, you really doesn't have a solid number two that you can go to and say that is the number two guy. Yes, you know who MJ is, but we don't have, I mean, because at any point in time, it's shown this year that between DJ Jones, uh, uh, Bryce Moraine, Johnny Brown, uh, heck, we even have a game yeah, uh, so Cameron Reeves, Jalen Spears. So we are a veteran ball club. We do have a guy who can be the second and third option. That makes us um, a wild card. I, I think that does make us a wild card going into this tournament. Uh, that and that's all you need. You you need guys. You you got you know who your one is. We feel confident that he's going to show up. You just need the other guys to. You need two or three other guys to play exceptionally well and uh, as we've already seen in the tournament you need good point guard play good point guard uh play or bad point guard play cost jackson state a chance at an upset already today you know their point guard got ejected with about nine minutes to go in the second half and that cost him you know and you know two technical fouls he's gone and next minute you know down the stretch jackson state needed their point guard for a chance to tie and maybe take the lead he wasn't there. The guy who was there ended up making a turnover. Cost them a chance to pull the upset off because they had really played a good defensive game. Uh, also, I want to make mention, Kelvin, you talked about the crowd. 4,687. That might be, you tell me the last time we had over 4,500 at Lawson for a basketball game. Anybody? Probably, probably took me about three years ago. We had oh, we had okay. slightly over five thousand, but that's that that was that was okay. the assumption. So, yeah, it, it was slowly building. So that's that that's progress. Great. Now I hope that going into the future, we're able to start from that point. That's where I'd love for us to be able to be. I'd love for us to be able to start at that point next season going forward. Last point I want to make: we finished a regular season with an eleven and seven conference record. So that is now the fourth consecutive year that FAMU has finished the conference season above 500. Not at 500, but above it. And that's that's saying something given all those lean years, man, where we is like it, it wandered in the wilderness trying to get wins in conference play. So, I mean, it's uh, credit to Coach McCollum and the staff for getting us. I keep telling these guys in the swag, we're basketball school too. They keep laughing at me, but I keep telling them, I say, yo, we're basketball school. Y'all just got to deal with it. And, you know, it's bad enough y'all hate us as it is. So, look, let's take a short break because I want to give uh, – we want to give plenty of time. We want to make sure we pay the sponsors. Coming up on the other side of the break, Colonel Gregory Clark, our uh, National Alumni Association president, is going to join us. We're going to talk about what the Alumni Association is doing, the state of Rattler Athletics from the alumni perspective and some other things. Uh, so good conversations coming up. Make sure to stay tuned. Go share the show. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Shop Velvet Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Velvet Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Velvet Online Women's Boutique. Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. It's like a loop machine. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee.
shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Welcome back to ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi uh, coming up very shortly. Colonel Gregory Clark will be joining us. Uh, now, he is out on the road right now, obviously, uh, with uh, with um, uh, with our president. And uh, they're doing a, a, uh, a college fair. Uh, they're doing a president's tour that will be rolling into Birmingham to uh, Ramsey High School. That'll be going on tomorrow, um, in which you know you opportunity students will get an opportunity to meet the president and administrators, uh, a FAMU connection performance, meet some student leaders, recruiters from all the colleges and university, housing, living, and learning communities, Army ROTC, uh, great opportunity to connect with student leaders. So all that'll be going down at Ramsey High School. Uh, Birmingham tomorrow, uh, 1800 13th Street Avenue S. Uh, that'll take place at 930. I, I believe that's 930 Central Time. Uh, you know, so for those who are, I, I guess when you're out that way, it's just 930, right? But for us, you know, we look at it different. Um, Got to make mention of... Um, some very sad news that happened this past weekend um, as uh, Rattler Nation lost another member of uh, that that great that that great coaching uh, Mount Rushmore that that we have of great legendary coaches, um, uh, FAMU baseball coach, uh, Hall of Famer Rattler Hall of Famer Joe Durant. Uh, passed away over the weekend. Um, Coach Durant was 72 years old. Uh, if I believe uh, he passed due to uh, leukemia-related, uh, um, leukemia-related uh, is what I read. Uh, but Coach Durant uh, was the longest-tenured 
and winningest manager in FAMU baseball history with 363 wins in 17 seasons. Uh, he took over the ball club in 1991, uh, in which the Rattlers won 29 games and a MEAC championship. Uh, he led the Rattlers to three championships in his first four seasons um, in 91, 92, and 94. Uh, he led the Rattlers to 12 20-win seasons uh, in, in his 17 years, including two 29-win seasons uh, in 91 and then 2003. Uh, some of the players that uh, Coach Durant coached were uh, Atlanta Braves great Marquise Grissom. Uh, many people consider one of the greatest to ever wear orange and green. Uh, probably right there next to uh, Andre Dawson, I would imagine. Um, I had a chance to meet uh, Grissom uh, this past summer. So that was uh, for a, uh, at a youth uh, youth baseball uh, organization. Uh, oh, the name. Oh, my God. I hate the fact that I can't think of the name of it. But, um, yeah, before managing uh, FAMU, Coach Durant played for uh, Coach Costa Pop Kittles. And he also played with Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Andre Dawson in the early 70s. Durant was the first African-American to serve on the NCAA Division I Baseball Committee from 99 to 2002. Um, gentlemen, any any uh, thoughts or that you would like to share about uh, Coach Durant? Uh, Kofi, I'll start over with you and then come over to you, Kelvin. Well, uh, you know, Tallahassee is a very unique place. And uh, oftentimes you'll find uh, our legendary people in um, servanthood position, you know, around the city. And so uh, I met Coach Durant when I was like six years old. Uh, I was in the summer camp at Jake Gaither Park. And so he was the director out there. And uh, I remember how he, uh, you know, just basically kept us in line and made sure that we were doing what we were supposed to do. Um, but he was a strong leader, strong figurehead. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of passion. It takes a lot of love to coach any sport at an historically black college. It, it takes a lot of dedication. Um, I don't think many of us have a, a appreciation because, you know, there's Rattlers, we just want to look up and just see Ws, right? But we don't understand all the time all of the things that go into um, getting those wins and, and creating those Ws and all of the behind-the-scenes uh, conversations and, and things that happen just to put a – just to fuel the team, uh, you know, it's it's incredible the amount of uh, sacrifice that goes into that. And so for Coach Durant to produce the number of championships that he did was beyond amazing, um, you know, to be able to find that talent. And, you know, we're more of a baseball, quote unquote, we're more of a baseball school than we are even a basketball school. Um, we produce um, – several pros on that level 
uh, you know, in the sport of baseball uh, that have gone on to do great and uh, mighty things and represent uh, Florida and M University. And uh, Coach Durant was a large part of that. And um, he's a great man. And uh, I, uh, I just pray that he rests in peace. We want to lift up his family and all that are connected to him and his legacy. Calvin. Often you can tell the measure of a man by how many people know him. Um, I don't know if anybody in Tallahassee didn't know Coach Durant. He was so active and, and like Kofi, uh, I first met him when he was working with Tallahassee City Park and stuff during the summer. And um, he was always working with uh, youth um, as long as I've known him. And the one thing that sticks out to me about Coach Durant is his temperament. He was a very nice guy, but very serious guy too. So, you know, it, it, it whatever it was, that's what it was. But he, he had a way of getting his message across without having to raise his voice, without being mean-spirited. He was just kind of matter of fact. And um, you didn't. He was he was the type of guy you didn't want want to let him down. Not only did he play with great players on the coach Kittle, but he also coached quite a few um, greats. And uh, let's not forget uh, when Kobe talk about the history of family baseball. Um, you know, don't forget about Vince Coleman and the McCrays and so forth. Lucas. Coach Lucas and, and 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 so all those people had a direct relationship with Coach Durant. Um, all of them knew him. They would come back whenever he had uh, fundraisers or um, needed something. He could call on call on any of those greats to help him out uh, to come support his events and. Um, Nobody would tell him no. And, um, you know, he put in a lot of years, a lot of years, successful years uh, with FAMU. Um, so uh, it is a big loss, another big loss, another true legend, true legend. And, um, again, as Kobe said, we, you know, you know, want to keep family in the prize and we want to make sure we celebrate and send, send them out right. And at some point, we got to find a way to honor him uh, with with the uh, baseball program or facility. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> a tough, uh, bit, bit of tough, definitely a tough period for the uh, baseball program, just in terms of you know we, we've uh, had the had the loss, the sudden loss of a player, uh, lost a legend. So uh, um, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we'll find a way to, uh, you know, properly honor um, Coach Durant. Uh, I know the team is currently playing in my neck of the woods here in Orlando against UCF uh, right now. But uh, yeah, they they're coming off of a coming off of a tough weekend uh, in which we dropped uh, three of four to uh, to Ball State, but. Uh, you know, before we get into that, I just want to just I want to add on to what you guys said and just my continued uh, thoughts and prayers 
uh, with the family. Uh, I had a chance to get to know Coach Durant's son. Uh, so uh, I had a chance to just just keep him in my thoughts, uh, you know, and uh, let him know I, 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 I understand. Um, so, but, um, so all of you, uh, just stay tuned as, as more funeral arrangements and things like that are coming out. Make sure you stay in tune with famuathletics.com. Also, uh, I'm sure family baseball, whether it be, it be their Twitter or Instagram will be dropping info, uh, you know, and, and as information comes out, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity to, uh, pay your respects in, in whatever way the family, uh, sets up. Uh, so let's, uh, l- let's come back <clears throat> to, uh, well, we we're talking about baseball. So I, I guess we, we've got to, well, well, you tell me, do you want to transition to the baseball or go back to the basketball news? We can go ahead and finish off baseball. Yeah, let, 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 I thought so. Let's finish off baseball. So, uh, the team, uh, coming off that tough stretch. Uh, against uh, Ball State, who I mean surprised me. You know, losing uh, three uh, six to three, seven to four, six to one. Uh, we did get a win on the last day, uh, five to three. But um, you know, losing that doubleheader on Saturday, tough losses. A little surprising, I, I will admit. You know, I, I think you know those are some. It was good to kind of close on a win, but uh, any any. Any takeaways? Uh, did you get a chance to get over to the field to uh, more kills field, Kelvin, over the weekend or, or Kofi? Uh, I did not get out to the baseball game, but, you know, just more or less, I mean, Ball State's a, uh, a pretty decent program. I think that we had winnable, they're winnable games. Um, I don't think that we played our best, to be honest. Uh, but, it's still very early in the season for us and we haven't hit our stride yet as a team. So uh, I want to encourage us all to really be patient when it comes to the baseball team and where this team uh, is going to end up, especially once we get into conference play. So there's no need to push the panic button just yet, but I do want to see us uh, get some more out of conference victories because for me, it's not just about, Fam, you, but also the whole HBCU landscape and how HBCU uh, sports uh, is impacted by how athletes and others perceive uh, our baseball league or our athletic programs. Yep, yep. Um, Any any thoughts there, uh, Kelvin? You want to add? I didn't make it over to the uh, game this weekend, but. I was paying attention to what was happening, and um, I mean the scores kind of speak for themselves. Uh, we gave up five six. Anytime we gave up six runs, we don't score. But one or two, three, we only average what uh, about two runs a game. While we gave we gave up averaging about six runs a game. I mean, we just out. We just didn't hit well. We didn't. Our offense didn't show up. If you remember when we played our uh, conference games, you know, most of those games we were six, seven runs uh, plus. So that's that early, early on, that's going to be our form. Um, 
we're not going to shut teams down. We're going to have to generate offense in order to to win. So, you know, I'm looking. You know, we we can look and see if we don't get to that five six run mark more times than not, we're probably going to be in trouble. Yeah, it's interesting. You you brought that up uh, last week, if I recall. Um, taking a look at the latest. Black College Nines top 10 poll. This is their first week one poll that just recently came out uh, as of uh, the other day. Uh, And they have their polls broken up into large school, which basically consists of Division One, and small school, which consists of Division Two and NAIA. FAMU comes in at number five uh, behind Jackson State, Alabama State, North Carolina A&T, and Bethune-Cookman. Behind FAMU, you have Texas Southern at 6, Southern at 7, Prairie View at 8, Norfolk State at 9, Mississippi Valley at 10. So, again, you can go to blackcollegenines.com, and you can see their poll and uh, weekly – uh, they have a ranking, uh, also list kind of an RPI situation where they let you know kind of where the schools rank. And obviously, you know, just on the – I mean, the number of Division One HBCUs is probably down to about, let me see, 12 in the SWAC, 4 in the MEAC. It's really down to 16 teams, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, 17. 17 or 18. My number may be off somewhere like that all right hey i'm told uh we've got colonel clark ready to go so uh with that uh let's see if uh our producer will go ahead and bring colonel clark in and we'll go ahead and get our conversation with him and there he is on the road it looks like colonel clark how you doing sir hey guys i hope y'all can hear me oh we hear you great you got me okay great yeah yeah, I just perfect, uh perfect. just walked out of the SWAC uh the SWAC game uh with uh Jackson State's women and and they were up. I can't remember what the score was before I left, but uh they were they were doing a great job. I, I it's funny you say that because I just got a text saying that there's upset alert going on where it's only a three point ball game right okay, now. They must have cut it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they must have yeah. cut it while I was trying to get on then, okay. Wow! Yeah, so, yeah, they playing a great yeah, game. That that'll be. Uh, I I won't say I'm. Well, I'm. I'll be surprised, but I knew UAPB was gonna give them some fits. Um, so, uh, uh, Colonel Clark, we were just talking about um, Coach Durant uh, just uh, earlier, and uh, you obviously being a, a member of the uh, uh, class of 2019 FAMU Hall of Fame. Uh, you you were part of three of those MEAC championships with Coach Durant. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of share your thoughts on uh, Coach Durant and the impact he made on you and your teammates' lives. So I guess, first of all, guys, thank you all for, for having me on. You all do a great job every week uh, representing the, the Rattler Nation. Uh, as it relates to Coach Durant, um, you know, I got a special place in my heart because uh, me being from the state of Alabama and he he uh, he being from Alabama, Mobile, that is, 
uh, we always had that 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 friendship there. We call each other homies. Uh, great spirit, great baseball mind, and just flat out loved his players. And I was fortunate to be on three of those championship teams with him. Um, two two of them as an assistant, and then the 1991 uh, championship we won when he was the head coach. Uh, he'll be truly missed. Uh, uh, myself and the B5B family, we 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 are mourning uh, over his loss, and and he had an impact on each and every one of us. So, I offer my condolences to his family, uh, and uh, just it was just great to have him in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, any you know, as you as you think about in those years, what was it that? And for those for those who may not remember, what was it that separated FAMU and just the style of play, or or what was it that that uh, that that you guys had that sort of separated you from other schools in the MEAC or just in in the in baseball circles at that time? You know, I think that you know we were the best. First of all, the best condition team <laughs> there was. Uh, we ran a lot. Um, and you know, every day we were running to Jake Gaither Park. And if sometimes we run to that to the Tallahassee Airport, but I think we was best conditioned. Uh, number one, we had a great group of guys that wanted to play together. And I think before all of us got to FAMU, we thought we knew baseball. Uh, but when we got to FAMU under under Coach Lucas and and then Duran. We truly. Uh, learn the game of, of baseball. Uh, we were close knit guy team and was very very hungry. Uh, we hit the ball. We, we hit the ball. Sorry. I'm sorry, somebody was calling. Uh, we hit the ball uh, a, a lot. We, we played small ball. Played small ball, and um, you know we were just a coordinate team. Coordinate team. So I. I, I, you know, we played as a brotherhood, so I'm, I'm, you know, that's probably the gist of it. We, we, we were pretty doggone good, and we beat a lot of people during that during that time frame. So that's probably what I would say would separate us. Um, and just, just good, great, great group of guys who wanted to represent the university and and win. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, uh, Calvin. Hey, Greg, I want you to transition and kind of talk about what you see in terms of FAMU athletics currently uh, under the leadership of uh, Courtney and then also uh, um, the Lunar Association has been very active in um, supporting athletics and taking even a bigger role. Talk about uh, some of the things that the Lunar Association, Association has done and how that came about. Okay. So I, I think uh, I think AD, AD Gauthier's done a great job uh, and 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 moving this uh, athletic department for uh, forward. Uh, I think one of the unique things that that he has, uh, you know, under his belt is the, the, the want to win. And, you know, for us, the Rattler Nation, we're very rabid fans and we want to win. We'll put our money where our mouth is, uh, you know, if we got somebody pushing in the right direction to win. So I think he's brought that kind of spree de corps to our athletic department. I think he's brought a sense of, of organization 
uh, and um, and he's um, he's got his coaches to a point where you know he they know he got his back. So uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. I think the visibility of our our athletic program has 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 led to a lot of visibility that that will benefit the university now and well into the future. Uh, when you start talking about LeBron James deal and uh, you know having the likes of Ken Griffey Jr. showing up and, and just the things that that we're doing with uh, uh, facilities um, and making sure these kids have what they want, have what they need to be successful. Uh, is there room for improvement? Heck yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement. But I think, you know, we're in the, we're we're going in the right direction, and I think uh, Rattler Nation kind of sees it and and starting to understand what we must do uh, to uh, to continue to be successful. So uh, I'm pleased there. Uh, as far as the National Alumni Association is concerned, one of the things that um, we we want to do is jump in and and see where we could help. Um, and, and it started out around uh, helping with for providing uh, 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 muscle milk and, and fruit, and then and then it led on over into uh, having a big impact on um, our, our our football operations and helping with the renovations inside of that inside of that field house. Uh, you know, I guess being a former athlete, I understand. At, at at any institution, they got a football program. Football drives the train, and and we fix football. The rest of the, everything else will come along, and so I think we've um, we've jumped in, and and we made some some great strides there uh, to to do that uh, and help help in that manner. So um, we've done those things. We've tried to uh, feed them when we can, and and provide some resources. When we can, we we started taking Coach Simmons out on the road in the summertime, which you know started garnering some money. I think the first year we did about sixty thousand, and then after every year since then, it's been over a hundred thousand dollars we've been raising. And and those in the beginning, guys, those things fought, you know, slits and you know blocking dummies, those kind of kind of things. Uh, but I'm glad we're to a point in the athletic program where. Um, we don't have to, I guess you term, get out in the weeds with those kind of things. I, I'd much rather, as an alumni association, help provide some scholarship dollars to keep these kids uh, in summer school as opposed to behind blocking dummies. But we did what we had to do, Kev, to try to help out uh, where we can. So, you know, we're going to be here as an association, and we're going to continue to help uh, as well as, as the other DSOs um, and just doing it as, as one team. Um, and, and trying to make sure that uh, the athletic program is successful. But I'm I'm happy where we are. I'm happy the direction we're going in, the classics, and, and just the notoriety that's going on around that athletic part, man, is certainly a breath of fresh air. So that's what I'd probably say has been the, the biggest piece uh, of it, kid. All right. Jump on there, Kofi. Yeah, man. So how can we – uh help additionally with with where we are now um where we plan to go and that whole transition because obviously we have not necessarily arrived um from an athletic standpoint um you know just statistically um 
I think volleyball has been our championship. But as far as our men's sports go, we haven't won a conference championship in some time. So uh, yeah. we have the national titles, you know, which were given uh, by news networks and, you know, just different writers things. But how can we make that transition to go to the next level? Yeah. Hey, Kofi, I think we've got to keep building um, uh, brick, brick by brick. Um, like I said, I think we made a lot of strides, but we certainly got a, a, a long way to go. I, I think that if we continue to pour resources in our athletic department and start beefing up some areas, especially around academic affairs, the academic piece of it with uh, getting those counselors in there so we can keep these kids, um, you know, eligible, uh, making it more of a smooth transition when we do get transfers in to get them in school in a timely manner. And, and I think that, that, that everybody has got to be on the same sheet of music, the administration, athletics, alumni, everybody got to be pulling in the same direction uh, to get us to that next level. And I think Kobe, once we can do that, I, I, I think it's just, it's, it's, I mean, we're, we're gone. It's going to be hard to stop us, but the pieces are there. Uh, we got to continue to pour some resources into it and we got to pull everybody along because uh, athletics, even the part of the band plays in all of that, that that helps our team. I've seen that band will us win in a, in a lot of games. And, and I'm glad that uh, the relationship is is there between our, our band and our and our athletic program. Uh, but the resources uh, and, and the one thing I do like what Courtney's doing is. Um, he's out raising money, and, and, and you'll probably see a large gift be announced here pretty shortly. The young man is out beating the bushes uh, trying to get these large gifts in to try to fund some of these things. But I think it's it pouring the resources in, Kofi, and making sure we got the right uh, coaches in place to develop these uh, young men and women for and set them up for success. Um, and so that's what I think. I think we're in a good conference, and – um, and I think overall, if we just con continue to uh, close ranks around the university, close ranks around athletics and, and do those things that need to be done to be successful, I, I think we will ultimately uh, be successful in, in, in a lot of areas. But I do concur we hadn't won any championships in a while uh, and on the men's side of the house. And I think it's about time that. We, 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 we get going there, but we all got to be pulling in the same direction. And, uh, and athletics has got to give us the vision on what the next steps are uh, and, and how does that play into the overall, um, uh, I guess, marketability of Florida and university. How does, the, how does it all work together? Because they, they all connect. Athletics are doing good. Enrollment goes up. I live right here in, in Birmingham, Alabama, and when our University of Alabama wins – they have no issue with enrollment, and I think that that we need to pour the resources in there, guys, to get it done. And I and I and that's what my hope is uh, that we continue to do. Now I'm glad you, you kind of like bottom that whole enrollment thing, um, just because you know it appears as though the I want to say the the board of governors has instituted a number of different stipulations um, over our university. How do we as alumni get to the point where we confront some of those things and and push to get 
I want to say, I want to say, pull the scales back into FAMU's favor because obviously this is a political thing, kind of, sort of. Um, back when we were in school, we were pushing 12,000, 13,000. Um, we were constantly at the top with National Merit Achievement Scholars. And it appears as though a lot of that has gone away um, from the family blueprint that Dr. Frederick Humphreys has left for us to be successful. How do we get back to that spot as alums? Because we've seen around the country where uh, the state of Maryland um, has awarded HBCUs a certain amount. In fact, FAMU, I believe, got the, the, the national, well, the government gave FAMU, I think, $99 million, um, just recently. But how do we get it to that next level as alum? Do we need to sue the state? Uh, you know, those sorts of things. How do we, how do we push that, that bar? So I, I I think we gotta fight this is like fighting a war on, on, on two continents. I say I think the first is looking at the what we have to deal with that's right in front of us, and knowing that we can't change this in the near term. So I think what we gotta do as alumni is start to educate our future rattlers, um, our young men and women. Under uh, under the uh, what's in front of them now cannot uh, wait to get themselves prepared to come to the university. I mean, they can't take the ACT, SAT in, in, in their senior year. Um, we've got to go back uh, to ninth grade, <laughs> and, and that's something that we're looking at as a national alumni association and, and starting to educate uh, these parents and getting these kids ready as early as ninth grade. You got to play the game that's in front of us. Um, the, the other piece of it is is um, is trying to come to some kind of resolution uh, diplomatically, if possible. Uh, and I think I think in order to do that, we as a collective university has to have to make a big deal out of wanting to get this done. So that's that's a hard decision that's going to have to be made by by the leadership to start having some of them conversations. Uh, about the disparities in funding uh, and and trying to make it right. Uh, so my approach is always we'll try to do it diplomatically, internally, and get to the table and talk it out, you know, as, as, as adults. Uh, but it's going to have to be, it can't be a one-sided approach, meaning, you know, National Family National Alumni Association or the foundation, they can't get out there and do this, uh, you know, just unilaterally. It's got to be, it's got to be a, it's got to be a, um, uh, a a university, I think, led effort to, to put to put some teeth into it, if you will. But so that's what I think ought to happen, guys. But I think there again, in the near term, that we have got to um, start to educate these young men and women, and we got to make sure we pour some resources into the student recruitment uh, piece of it, guys. I mean, the president's tour is in here in Birmingham uh, in the morning. Uh, we'll be hitting Ramsey High School, and hopefully we can get some kids in. Um, I, I, one thing that I do worry about is we, we can bring them in, but can we financially help them be successful? And, you know, uh, we're, we're really to a point that, you know, we probably need to get ready to do a capital campaign. Uh, I think we're pretty close to getting ready to do, do that piece of it because we really got to get some scholarship dollars in here. We really got to get some um, 
some multi-million dollar endowments established to fund uh, uh, these kids. Because I mean, we can bring the best and brightest, but the dollar's not there the way they were when Dr. Humphrey was the president. And so I know there's an effort to try to rebuild the industry cluster. Uh, we need to get that back up and running. But right now we need scholarship dollars uh, badly. And, and I think that's really one of the things that's hurting us right now uh, as, a, as a university. And, uh, and that's my hope is that we'll get out and start raising some dollars to benefit scholarship. Uh, so that's my thought, guys, on, on that, uh, doing it on two fronts. Uh, but in the near term, we've got to start educating them as early as ninth grade. And we got to start identifying these kids. If they want to be in the band, we need to start figuring out that early on and start getting that, that stuff lined up. If they, they, they trying to go into sciences, we got to get them prepped up. But we got to go find some scholarship dollars to try to help these kids matriculate. Well, let me ask, let me ask, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, obviously, with the announcement that came out a couple days ago from the White House, the record $2.7 billion, with a B, uh, dollars that went into HBCUs. Uh, FAMU received $99 million, which was the largest uh, amount to any HBCU among the over 100 schools. And as I'm reading here from the uh, what they call the American Rescue Plan, requires half these funds to be used to provide direct financial relief to students. Um, how does that gift play into what you were just talking about? And then let me forward it because I've always felt like when 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 money comes in like that, it it helps athletics in a way that. Let's say if a gift of $100 million comes in, obviously the university wants to put it in different places. You want to put it in academics and other things. But maybe now other monies that might have gone towards academics don't necessarily have to go there per se because you're getting a gift, and now that money can trickle to athletics. Is there any sort of trickle down that happens where athletics will benefit in some way from this major money. Not saying that this money or a portion of it is going to athletics, but maybe the trickle-down of extra available funds helps athletics. So I, I, it's my belief, and, and, and there again, I don't know all the rules, so I, I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give it to you the way it was given to me. I, I do know that we, we could not use those monies directly um, to benefit, you know, athletics. But I do know that we use some to help out with buying down scholarship dollars, but buying down, buying down athletic uh, scholarships. Cause there again, that's an academic piece there. So we were able to kind of uh, use some monies to help athletics out because of, you know, them not playing through COVID. They lost all those dollars that they would use normally to fund their scholarships. So I know that was one area that that that, that they used some of the dollars to to uh, help out and help make them make good. Uh, I know that, and and you know, I don't, I, I can't say this with FAMU because I don't, I don't think this happened. But I know some of the universities, like Alabama State, would do stuff like, you know, get medical staff, hire some medical medical people to help out through COVID and. 
and attach them over to help athletics out. I think people are doing some creative things with it, uh, with those dollars. But uh, I hadn't seen the final report, guys, where uh, where these dollars, what all the areas uh, touched. Uh, I've asked for it. I expect to get it. Uh, um, and so, but I think it can, it could help. But but even those dollars, guys, it, that that doesn't even put a band aid on. You know the monies we really need uh, to kind of start to make ourselves whole. Uh, it helped. It helped a lot getting um, getting the villages um, and start the towers, towers, uh, the debt wave, uh, which was which was a great thing to do. Um, we don't have that debt anymore, uh, but you know it, we needed the American Rescue Plan, and it, and it helped uh, kind of put the, put your finger in the dike. Uh, and close up that hole a little bit. So um, that's that's the part that I do know about it, Brian. What's that number look like? It sounds like you know or have a number. What what is that number? If you can share, it's it's. <laughs> I would say it's in excess of a billion dollars. It's a lot of money. If you go back over uh, a number of years, and then if you would go back and kind of look at the performance-based funding where there was many years that we didn't get any additional funding from the state of Florida. Uh, but we're starting to get it now. Uh, but, you know, I'll probably say if, and it would take some, that there is a study being done. I hadn't seen the final numbers, guys. That's going to look to see uh, what it is. Um, and so it's being done within the state, but I don't know that final number. I'm just taking a guess. It's well over a billion dollars. Just looking at, you know, you know where Tennessee State and, and, and even them, them schools in, in Maryland, where they were, I mean, it's probably a lot of money. A lot of Calvin, go ahead. So, Britt, I have a suggestion here in terms okay. of uh, passing on, in terms of enrollment specifics. Um, okay. we, I do understand that the, the diplomacy side of it is necessary and so forth. And I do understand, of course, the uh, funding side of it and the lack thereof. Uh, suggestion that I, I think should get more traction and consideration, I see a lot of universities, including the state of Florida doing, is with out-of-state fees. Uh-huh. All right, drives the funding process in Florida ultimately, right? You exactly. Know, you, tell the state, you tell the state you want to have this amount of students at, at a full one, full FTE. So we need to get the enrollment up. I uh-huh. understand the test scores and all that, and I know we're doing pretty decent, pretty good on that front. But we got to uh-huh. get those enrollment numbers up, and I think the opportunity is this with uh, out-of-state fees. Uh, and there's various ways that people are doing it, neighboring states or within a certain mile, miles and so forth. Uh, some some schools have actually waived out-of-state fees for legacy kids, um, et cetera. So I think we have to put all the tools in the toolbox on the table, and that would help us push those numbers a little bit more. So that's my suggestion. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's a good idea, Kev. 
Uh, yeah, the only issue we have with it is it's gonna take a <laughs> the legislature voting to 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 do that stuff. But I I think it's a good approach. Um, and, and I guess we got to look at where, where we can take these wins at. I know they give us X number of out of state uh, waivers. Uh, may, may, maybe the approach would be is, is to engage uh, in the legislature and, and get a push to increase those numbers of out-of-state waivers. And that certainly will help uh, quite a bit and or make it an easier path for these young men and women to become in-state residences, uh, residents right. uh, over that period of time. So I agree with you. I do. I do. All right, Kofi, go ahead and close it out for us. Hello, man. So, you know, so obviously this is your last go round here um, yeah. with this man. What would you say have been your your greatest achievements as NAA president? So I, I, I would say um, I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's been tiring, though. <laughs> I will tell you that as well. Um, uh, for me, the joy that I get out of it all is seeing these young men and women succeed. And, um, when I can look at it in the audience and grad over graduation and see a kid where we've used save our students scholarship dollars to help them matriculate and pay that final bill off so they can walk across the stage. That probably gave me more joy, uh, than anything, but I, I'll, I'll say, you know, that, and, and of course, uh, the the students, uh, you know, they've been the joy, and that's why we do what we do, and fight as hard as we fight to to make them successful. I've enjoyed each and every minute of it, uh, and uh, and uh, you know, and I'll you know look to cross my legs, guys, and and try to help from the sideline going forward. But I would say the raising of the dollars, and 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 then the other piece. Uh, I would say the advocacy piece, advocacy drive that we did to bring the the cast billing over the finish line. That's another big one that I think that I would go, you know, I would always uh, remember. But it's been a joy um, to uh, serve the university and and uh, I look forward to it continuing to grow. And uh, we got an election April the 5th, uh, starting April the 5th. And, uh, you know, given the runoffs that we'll probably have, um, you know, we'll, um, you know, we'll finish this thing up around somewhere around, around the end of May. Uh, and then we also guys, I'll tell you, we looking forward to, uh, coming to campus. Um, and, and I wanted to make sure that I finished my last, last convention out and last term out having our national convention on campus. Uh, and so, um, that's, uh, June the 2nd through the 5th. Uh, and uh, most of our meetings will be split between the grand ballroom and Lee Hall and, and actually guys, uh, and this is going to be a first where, um, I've asked the chairman of the board of trustees to move the, the BOT meeting, uh, into that week. And, uh, we're going to take all the convention, uh, uh, individuals to the board of trustees meeting on that Thursday. Uh, and so it's going to be a, a great time. We're going to raise some money, um, we're going to have a symposium. They're going to get a chance to hear the history of Jay Gaither. Um, you know, we're going to talk about the university presidents. We're going to have a distinguished alumni awards gala. Uh, and, and then, and then, uh, then my final concert, Kofi, 
Uh, I'm bringing I'm bringing home uh, 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 Lynn Roundtree uh, and okay. Kimberly Holloway okay. and uh, and Angela Poole gonna do some gospel early on. We gonna rock out Lee Hall on that Saturday at, at that final concert. And and Lynn and Kim they 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 gonna bring it. They gonna bring it home. So uh, looking forward to uh, coming to Tallahassee. Uh, and uh, leaving some money in Tallahassee and supporting the university June 2nd through the 5th. That's awesome. June 2nd through the 5th. Well, thank you so much for joining us, man. Um, obviously, yep. this is not the end. This is a new beginning yep. for all of us. And so uh, we're looking forward to great things, man. Thank you for taking time out with us. Hey, hey, not a problem. Hey, guys, y'all got a great show here. Uh, keep it going. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, trust in God and, and you can't go wrong. So uh, uh, super proud of all three of y'all and just keep up the good work. We'll do, man. Thanks. Okay. Take care. Y'all have a good one. Take care. You too. Did we lose Ryan? Ryan frozen. Yeah, I think this is not we got him. Well, at this point, we're going to go on ahead and take a commercial break, and we'll be back after these messages. Love you guys. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. It's like a loop machine. All around town, trying to get down. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee. So, so. 
shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. It's like a loop machine. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone as we have my brother Kelvin Rozier. We have a frozen, a frozen Brian Fulford who will be back with us momentarily once we get unfrozen. See if I can use my magic powers to get him unfroze or something. Get him unfroze, get him unfroze. Anyway, um, that was a great interview that we had with uh, President um, Gregory Clark, Colonel Clark. And uh, we want to thank him once again for joining us. Um Oh, he's getting unfroze, look like he's getting unfroze. But uh, at the same time, you know, we want to take some time because I think that he hit on a number of different things in terms of the direction of where uh, we need to be. Um, Now, you know, for me, coming up in the Humphreys era uh, spoiled a lot of us because President Humphreys was an incredible, I mean, and not only leader, but he was an incredible fundraiser. He got out there. He made things happen. He connected with the right people. Um, people made a, you know, a big deal on the number of parties that he threw. But at the same time, those parties produced millions of dollars for Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University. Um, and there was, an, uh, there was a, a high degree of aggression, I want to say, from the recruitment standpoint. And so, um, you know, just across the board, and we've talked about this before from uh, athletics um, under Frederick Humphreys were successful in all of our sports, largely because he got behind those programs. So in order for us to get to that next level, we really need support from the administration. Now, this is not a knock against uh, Dr. Larry Robinson. I think that he's done an admirable job. But, you know, again, 
um, we have not gotten our men's championships in, on a conference level for a reason, and that's largely because um, of, I want to say, a complacent approach to athletics and a complacent approach to recruitment um, on a large front. And I think they obviously came at a tough time when we were on probation and we had to protect a lot of things. But uh, there's a lot of work for us to do uh, as an alumni, as a group, so that we can collectively come together. Uh, I don't think that Rattler Nation is as informed as we could be, as we need to be, so that we can move as a unit. In order for us to be strategic, we need information. We need to know what is what so we can ask the right questions and formulate a plan that's going to send our university and our athletic program forward. You know, what's up with the dorms? Are we, you know, we're knocking down all these dorms. What's coming into place? What's coming down the pipe? What do we need to be looking for? Um, when do the Board of Governors meetings meet? Um, how can we confront, rightly confront the Board of Governors? What is the exact move that we need to do as a collective unit? We need to know this because guess what? This is an election year. So we're going to be putting people in the office that are going to be making decisions for our beloved university and we need to make sure that there's more than just ramon alexander fighting for the orange and the grain we need more people that are in positions of power to shift the narrative regarding famu agree kofi and um what i'll add very well stated by the way what i add, add is this we talked about the diplomatic piece and the fundraising piece part of that diplomatic and fundraising piece is applying the appropriate pressure when, when, when necessary. So uh, sometimes you got to will a bit stick. You got to show it off and be willing to use it. And so um, what, what I would like to see is more of a commitment and through action and not words in terms of uh, administrative and in the collective administration and leadership um and and that less territorial turf wars um and coming together that means that some people gonna lose a little influence some people gonna lose a a, a little you know everybody everybody gonna lose something but the university gains and we just have to value different opinions and incorporate um sometimes controversial measures in order to apply the pressure necessary um, in order to help that diplomacy happen. Diplomacy just don't happen because people going to do good because you say good things about them and so forth. Sometimes it's confrontational. And uh, I, I think we're going to have to, our leadership going to have to lead more and going to have to be a little bit more aggressive in order to make anything happen in the state of Florida with our current structure. And I think, uh, you know what I'm saying with that. I see uh, Mr. B uh, back. So, Brian, I'm going to turn it back over to you, man. No, hey, look, I, I, I got sniped. I have no idea how the entire <laughs> Internet connection in my house just completely. It's like I got hit with an EMP or something. And it's just everything just like, whoa, where did my connection to everything go? But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I caught the last bit of what you guys were saying. I, I dropped out right when I missed what the concert, what's, what's the concert 
that uh, Greg was talking about bringing. I missed. That's where my. That's where I went out. Well, Kimberly Holloway and uh, uh, Lynn Roundtree, uh, who were okay. former members of the Marching One Hundred, are going to be doing a great concert. And I'm gonna tell you now, Greg, if you're still listening, I'm telling you who to bring. Now you need to get Wycliffe Gordon and Al Arrington. You get them too, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be shut all the way down. You have to get Al Arrington and uh, Wycliffe Gordon. You get them too, I promise you, it'll be an absolutely amazing, amazing show. Um, you know, one of the things that I that I caught, uh, and like I said, great commentary from both of you. Uh, I, and one of the things that struck me when I heard from uh, Colonel Clark was about all parts working together, which which I found interesting because you're almost like, wait a minute, we're not all working together, you know? Because that that was my first thought. I'm like, wait a minute, we're not. Look, you know, the proof so is in the pudding, Brian. The proof is already in the pudding. We don't have a an outright men's championship in any sport since probably since men's tennis i want to say a couple of years and now baseball. we don't even have men's tennis baseball give me tangibles I, I i don't know that that how does that relate how does one relate to the other you know because when i see when i hear you talk about championships i think okay for me i think about uh uh obviously Player, player talent, player development, recruiting, coaching. Uh, now, you know, all of those things, what what do you see? What, where are you drawing that connection at? Uh, well, I mean, you're, cause you're... Well, let's say, let's look at it like this, okay? You, the administration, the, the, the head administration or the presidential administration are the main decision makers for our institution. So at the end of the day, our AD answers to the president. Our coaches still answer, our athletic teams still answer to the president. Um, when it comes to admissions, um, we can go back to the Earl Holmes era where there were several SEC athletes that were transferring, um, trying to get into school that our admissions committee did not allow into FAMU. They went other places. And that would have made a difference with Earl's outcome, you know, just from that standpoint, where if President Humphreys were in the position, I have no, there's no doubt in my mind that those young men would have found their way in the uh, in class at FAMU. It's a simple click, like, okay, yeah, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Now, again, when it comes to APR, when it comes to APR or the academic progression uh, rate. Um, that's a sign. There's a science that goes with that. Um, and in order for that aspect of the athletics to work efficiently, you need academians, um, the academic side to also participate from an advisement standpoint, from a tutorial standpoint, and they have to be able to offer that measure of support. You need that administrative support. I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that our uh, our administration 
uh, understands that aspect or that our teachers and professors are given additional incentives to assist with that whole aspect, financial uh, incentives to assist with that, because I don't think that they should do it for free. But at the same time, the, the university's job is to educate and to make sure that our students are in position to prosper from an academic standpoint. And if they're not in position to do that, I'm not blaming our coaches alone. I'm not blaming our athletic director alone. I'm looking at the president. I'm like, sir, this is like your third time at the helm and we still have APR issues. We still have things that are going on. We still have things that are unstable in that aspect. We need the, uh, the, 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 I want to say the, the, um, the presidential administration to get behind and to bring us all together. Um, our job as alumni is basically to support and to bring a measure of accountability to make sure that people are doing. But the people that are in power to make decisions, they are in a position to serve the university. And I think sometimes they get in a position and a title and feel that people, the university is supposed to serve them. And I think that that's out of order. And I think that for a large part, I think that they are doing the very best that they can, but there is room for improvement. There's a greater measure of commitment that needs to come from the presidential administration in order for athletics to go to the next level. And there has to be a greater measure of commitment on our level from alums um, being able to, of course, A, be, be informed, to commit to buying season tickets, to commit financially, to commit all on, on those levels. But bringing everything together is necessary, absolutely necessary. It cannot, the coaches cannot prosper without administrative support. In, in a perfect world, what does that look like? What, what I mean, okay. just flat out, what, what does it look like? Because I hear um, what you're saying, and it okay. sounds well, great, me, but... Right. For me, I would like to see a, just an additional, I want to see a level of agreement or some, you know, some stuff is just basic common sense. Even last fall, we had a number of players um, that Coach Simmons was recruiting, um, you know, to that had an opportunity to play that had they probably <laughs> played for us. This team had a good chance to really go undefeated. Um, they ended up at Bethune Cookman, they ended up at other schools, and we see this across just even from an academic standpoint. And I know that there's pressure from the Board of Governors, but I'm like, my God, people, y'all are acting totally like scary when it comes to just making simple decisions. One person is not going to bring down the entire um, graduation rate and the graduation flow by itself. So let me say this, okay, agreement with the coaches, um, to admit certain players that have the ability to increase the profile and measure of success for our athletic teams and programs. Um, there should be a greater push um, from uh, the administration to actively give support academically from uh, tutorial and advisement standpoints. There needs to be more people involved so that the weight is not only on a few. It's, it's, it's just like um, moving a big piece of furniture, okay? So if you try to move it by yourself, it's very difficult. The more people that you have moving that big piece of furniture, it becomes easier. The burden becomes easier. We're able to get there faster. So there needs to be more support 
on the academic side for our athletes so that we don't return back to a place where APR is an issue. Um, that has so, to be a so, so Cole, so Cole, I'm finna succinctly yeah. put put it put it in numbers. Get the athletic budget up to twelve million, which is kind of between eleven and twelve million is what you spend every year anyway. Regardless of what we say, you keep telling people eight million, eight two. It it takes around twelve million minimum to to do all the things that Kobe talking about having NCAA certified advisors, um, having um, enough trainers, having all that support program, having more GAs, grad assistants for all sports and for all departments to include compliance and and uh, and, and, and and marketing and etc. So. So what it comes down to is resources. Resources can be financial. They can be people. We have certain departments on campus that we probably could utilize a, a little better and, and making up the gap on some of this stuff. And, and that's what bringing everybody together under one vision, the umbrella, would do. The other part to it, though, and I have to be just frank and honest with the nation, some people have knowledge. Some people have titles. We need the people with the titles to have the knowledge Uh-oh. or to be able to listen or listen to the people who have the knowledge and don't have the titles. And I'm going to leave it right there. Well said. All right. Uh, so with that, uh, we will take a break. Coming up out of the break, we'll right into our interview uh, that I had with Donald Hall, uh, who is uh, part of the Dark Cloud Defense but also an esports champion. So we'll get to hear a little bit about Donald and uh, and, and his ventures into the world of esports, and then come back and wrap up the show with some final news and notes and some uh, hot takes. Thanks for watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee. 
shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. It's uh, my pleasure now to be joined here on the ONG Strike Zone by one of our Rattlers, our very own Rattler, part of the Dark Cloud defense. But more importantly, he's an esports champ serving notice around campus that if anybody thinks they have game in Madden 2K or that uh, NBA 22, they got to come through him if they want to get to the esports championship. And that's uh, defensive lineman Donald Hall. Donald, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, hey, uh, you know, esports is really big. Look, I, I got to tell you, man, we, us old heads, we are very jealous that you guys have something called esports. We we used to just play in the dorms, just play, and there was no competition. There was no national tournament. There was no gifts and rewards. So we got much respect for y'all and are very we sit back and like, man, if they would have given us a, a, a Tecmo Bowl uh, a tournament back in the day, man. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into talking a little bit about the tournament and all. But uh, you came from uh, you're from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Uh, you, you've been on the on the yard for a couple of years now. Um, what attracted you to Florida A&M out of uh, your, your school where you were at in Mississippi? Um, so originally my freshman year, I was at Prairie View and, uh, my tight ends coach there was coach black. I played defensive line, but, um, you know, I was a freshman and I, uh, played it a little bit. So the whole coaching staff, I was familiar with the whole coaching staff. So, uh, I had a relationship with coach black. I ended up going Juco, uh, went down there, won a national championship. Um, and so the recruiting process started Basically, when you go to junior college, your recruit process starts just like in high school. It was basically all the way up. I had a, uh, I had a bunch of schools recruit me. Uh, but it was just, I knew Coach Black, and I knew I was going to be in good hands. At the time, I really didn't know Coach Simmons. I just, from what I heard from older players that were at Prairie View, because uh, when I was there, he wasn't the head coach. So mm-hmm. I just... Um, Talking to my uh, older teammates from there, and they just told me that I'd be in good hands. And I came down to Tallahassee. I had a good time. At the time, Coach Street was the defensive line coach. Uh, I had a good relationship with him. And uh, it's from there, that's what really attracted me. I'm, my parents, they know a lot about when, when I got the FAMU offer, 
they're uh they both they're both products of Mississippi Valley State. So when I got the FAMU offer, they were you going to FAMU? They know. They knew. They knew. That's what's up. Yeah, I, I wondered. I looked at your timeline and saw that you originally were at Prairie View, and I was wondering if there who who the relationship was that you had because I knew that was right about the time I think when Coach Simmons either was leaving or had just left. And so I'm not familiar with who was still on staff there. So you said it was Coach Black. So uh, that 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 was good that uh, that those relationships were still strong and that uh, you saw FAMU as an opportunity. Um, and I don't think FAMU had joined the SWAC just yet when you. Uh, so what was that like when you got the when you when you were part of hearing the news that FAM was going to be in the SWAC? I was really excited because you know uh, I really wanted to play Prairie View. But, uh, you know, we didn't get them on the schedule. But it's really I, – I didn't know much about the MEAC because, you know, I'm I'm from the South. You know, MEAC is the the East Coast, so I didn't really know much about the MEAC other than Howard a little bit, but um, Howard and FAM. But, you know, SWAT, I just feel like um, – I just I just love the SWAT just because, you know, how um, the fans, how close every, how close every school is in the swag. I know, like in the MEAC, you might have to travel to Delaware State one year. Everybody can't come see that game, but in the swag, everybody's right beside each other. Rivalries, you know. So I was just really excited about that. You know, when I got here, it was COVID. My first, I, I was only on campus for like a month, and then COVID hit. So you know, and the whole thing about the we went like three seasons where we couldn't play. Not three seasons, but Three semesters where they told us we were gonna play, we end up we end up not being able to play. But um, you know, I'm happy to finally. I was happy to finally be able to get on the field. Now you you had it. Obviously, we went to Mississippi Valley State this past year uh, with your parents being alums. Uh, did they get a chance to go to that game? What was that experience like for for your family? Oh, uh, it was uh, it was great just because you know. Most of my family is from around there. That's the closest game. I think I had like 30 or 40 people there. So that was the closest game for me. I, obviously my parents are alarmed, so they just came back, sat on the family side, you know. Um, they just, uh, they, I bet you had to do a lot of educate. I bet you had to do a lot of educating for a lot of people about Itabina and just that area because, you know, that was the first time that Rattler Nation, FAMU had ever been to uh, Mississippi Valley State. Yeah, a lot of guys just asked me because I, I mean I didn't grow up down there. I grew up in the uh, Memphis area, okay. the um, Memphis and then Olive Branch. But I didn't grow up down there. But I have a lot of family down there, and I know the area. So you know, just showing them, you know, we can go on a road and we won't see anything but a Dollar General and cotton fields for about twenty miles. So you know, that's just different for a lot of these Florida guys. You know, they're big city guys, so. You know, that was different. Just had to give them the um, to say so about how how it is in Mississippi. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a, that's a wonderful experience about uh, the swag. There's a lot of culture, a lot of history. So I mean, every every stop is a learning lesson because there's so much history uh, in those parts, uh, without a doubt. So uh, look, this past season, um, an excellent season, part of the dark cloud defense. Um, you know, this upcoming, you know, we're here in the spring. We're about five practices in the spring. Uh, what's your early 
uh, take on on how spring practice is going, how the offseason workouts been for you and the rest of the Dark Cloud defense? Um, right now, I'm just really in the more of a spectator mode. Um, I told my ACL on homecoming. Okay. It was the third drive. I told my ACL. So I had surgery in like November. So right now I'm in more of a spectator role, but I just feel like um, we're picking up right where we left off just because we had a young defense. Of course, losing some big time, big time pieces in the back end, but you know, we had guys ready to step in last year and guys definitely ready to step in this year to uh, take that role. And as far as workouts, I mean, we're getting bigger, faster, stronger every day. We got the youngest and best strength and conditioning coach, I believe, in the nation, and Coach Forney. And, you know, we've just been hitting hard. Are you hopeful that you will uh, have an opportunity to to get back on the field at the beginning of the season, or you think it'll be kind of mid-season for yourself? Oh, no, I'll be back fall camp. I have my um, surgery in November. So I'll definitely be back in fall camp. And first game, you know, it's full force. I've been rehabbing pretty good. So, Okay. Okay. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, so let's get into talking a little bit about this esports thing, man. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about your, your, you know, this, let's start with just your fascination or your obsession, if we're going to call it that maybe, because I think you got to have a healthy obsession in order to be good. Uh, where did that start? How long have you been playing Madden and NBA 2K? I'd say, you know, I've been playing Madden all my life. I had, you know, older cousins that just used to whoop up on me real bad. And just, you know, you got to you gotta, you gotta learn fast when you're just getting whooped on like that. So, you know, I ended up just getting good at Madden. I'd probably say uh, probably about Madden 16 is when I just became really competitive about it. 2K. I was a basketball player first before I played football. So okay. 2K was always came natural to me, but I, I'm very competitive. So I never like to lose. So it just, if I lose, you know, I got to just get better. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's part of the reason you say a little bit of obsession. It's just the obsession. I don't like to lose at all. So I just wanted to, yeah, everything I just wanted to be the best. So, yeah, you know, that's where my. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's where I think my obsession comes from is just not wanting to lose. How do you correlate? You talked about playing basketball, being a basketball player first. How do you correlate what you see in the video games with the real thing? Like, does that give you, you feel like that gives you maybe a little bit of an advantage when you're playing against somebody else? Talk a little bit about the correlation there between the game and real life, the video game and real life. Um, of course, you know, it's a simulation game, so everything isn't 100% realistic. But as far as Madden, I just feel like if you can, if you're good at Madden and you know football, you know, it's very hard for you to lose because, you know, a lot of guys can just see something online and run it and run it good, but they won't know situations, know what to do at certain times. It's just, <clears throat> I feel like, especially like seeing coverages um, on Madden, I, Definitely know what man coverage is like. If 90% of other guys playing Madden and don't know actually anything about football because it's a video game at the end of the day, you show them man coverage in real life or in the game, they won't know what it is. So I just feel like that definitely gives you uh, an advantage if you know if you know football and you also are good at Madden. 
So uh, amongst, the, I, I was, I'm glad you brought that up. So, I mean, amongst your teammates are a lot of you guys on the team. You guys, I, I'm, I imagine a lot of you guys play Madden and do you find some of the concepts and things from Madden applicable to what coach Simmons and some of your other coaches are bringing to you in those meetings and such? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Just Don't go that far, huh? <laughs> when we're playing, it's more, it's more fun. I would say definitely more fun, but you know, like we're running, like when we're playing together, we're, we're throwing the ball 80 times a game, 60 times a game. No situation going for it on every fourth down, but you know, yeah. So I always say that. So the I, so the toe gang, the toe gang, I, I'm sure they're like y'all, y'all throw the ball too much, man. Run the ball, huh? <laughs> I play the game. Running back is there to block. <laughs> what is uh? What is your what is your go to? Who's your team? Or you know what what's your specialty? I don't know. You don't have to give away your secrets because I, I know there's more tournaments up ahead. But but what is it? Your style of play? What what what's what separates you? from a lot of your teammates and uh, and from other competitors that you've gone up against? I would just say on defense, I'm a big man coverage guy just because uh, I just want to bump and run, get in, get in your chest so you just can't run any routes you want. And, uh, well, I would say that translates to the dark cloud defense because, you know, you run a lot of quarters, they turn the man down the field, but on the defensive side, it's just a lot of uh, bump and run. I got I have a good – I know where the ball is going so I can intercept it really good. I know about routes. And then on the offensive side, I'm very pass heavy. Um, probably going to run throw the ball 50 times a game. I don't have a certain team that I run with. I play with the Packers on the uh, in the tournament just because I didn't, I didn't want to lose. It's know? Rodgers, right? It's the MVP. How do you – how do you go – how do you go elsewhere? Yeah, but uh, I mean, I, I can play with just about anybody. I, well, I can play with all of the teams. It's just I didn't know what I was walking into, and I'd rather have one of my best – have one play with one of my best teams. So, yeah. so let's talk about that tournament experience. Um, how did you come to – how did you know, how did you come to find out about it? Uh, how did you get introduced to it? And, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about – some of the competition that you went up against? Uh, it's a funny story. Uh, my mom knows I play the game all the time. So my mom actually sent it to me. She was like, you need to register for this. Because uh, she sees how much I play the game. She was like, you might as well get something out of it. So I ended up, um, I ended up signing up for it just about it. And I, I uh, actually forgot. I only signed up for Madden because I really don't play 2K like that. I only signed up for Madden, but <clears throat> the night of the tournament, uh, the uh, the guy that's over, he texted my phone. He was like, hey, do you play 2K? Uh, are you interested in uh, being in the tournament? I was like, yeah, I play. I end up playing it, playing that, winning it. Don't know how. I don't really play 2K. End up playing in the Madden tournament. The Madden one, I, <clears throat> I'm used to being in because, you know, in a locker room setting, it's usually always a turn when I stay on. So, you know, I'm used to that. And usually it's more pressure, people in your ear hollering and all of that. So that wasn't you – know, I played the game a lot, so it wasn't really a challenge for me. The setting wasn't too big or 
it wasn't any pressure. Like that. I played a, a decent amount of competition, but you know, I didn't want to show all my guns anyway. So. Okay. So how many games did you have to play to win this tournament? This last one, it was three. The Madden was three, and I believe the 2K was three as well, two or three. Now, one of the things we talked about a little bit before, we talked about this is a prelim, uh, what they describe as a prelim. So it's almost like a, uh, a, a tournament for seeding, maybe, right? Um, or how does, how does it work? How, do, how, do, how does it work? How does the next stage work? Um, I believe it. that was just like, that was just to see who, who would be there because that one was more like a, I said like a preseason game. Okay. Oh, that was that. And then he told us in a couple of weeks, it'll be the, it'll be like the one to determine who goes to Alabama. Okay. For, for the, uh, for, so you gotta, you gotta win what first or second, you gotta place a certain, a certain, uh, a certain spot in order to advance to nationals or to the uh, conference tournament, I guess. Right. Pretty sure it's, uh, it's first place. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to play second anyway. True, but, right, uh, right. It's first, and uh, you know, I think I played the the second best guy, so I'm not not too worried. You know, stay in the lab and keep um, keep working. So a- around campus, now that you are sort of the number one seed walking around campus, how have I- I'm sure you were probably already the number one seed in the locker room. Uh, What's it like now on campus? I mean, you got people trying to get at you, trying to trying to play you. Uh, what, what's it What's it like now that you've uh, been declared a champion or walking around as a one seed? Um, it was. It's really the same because it's crazy. I can't get a game at FAMU. <laughs> Nobody wants to play you. Can't, I can't get a game at FAMU. It's crazy. I have to. <laughs> I can't. I can't get a game. Especially in the locker room. I can't get a game in the locker room. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody, huh? Get a game in the locker room. I can't even get a friendly game in the locker room. They don't. But um, it's about the same. You know, I already was. I was used to it. I had to play online, so. Yeah, yeah. Who was, uh, who's, who's the second, who's the second toughest competitor in the locker room? I would, I would have to say it's a tie between two guys. It's definitely a tie between uh J Mo, Javen Morgan, and, and Lovey Jenkins. It's a tie between those two. Those those two are tough. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. So uh yeah, so I'm I'm sure at some point later on there'll be uh there'll be a, one of those uh bad competitions. I know they usually try to put one of those together with uh with another team, you know. So uh I'm sure you'll be representing well now and you do plan on participating in the in the nba uh 2k 22 tournament as well correct um i probably won't uh okay. i probably strictly on madden just because 2k isn't my i have a teammate that's better at 2k than me so i'm gonna make sure he signs up for that one and there so, you go there you go and um yeah i'm strictly probably gonna focus on madden i looked up and won on the 2k so I'm just gonna. Do you uh, do you do you think esports is becoming one of those uh, opportunities that uh, you know? I, I've been told they're they're giving out you know scholarship opportunities for students to play esports. I mean, do you get a sense on campus uh, among other student athletes? 
that esports is something that uh, you know you guys are really finding a value in, and, and you see a future, you know, uh, of some sorts in uh, esports. Um, I would definitely say esports could could certainly take a jump. It's more of um, when I talk to other people, it's more of a, a content creation type of thing when they think of. Uh, gaming, you know, streaming and all of that, they think of more of that side. But esports definitely could um, be big. I know at other schools, they have teams that they can compete on a national level. So, you know, I definitely think that um, esports could take a big jump because, you know, it's, it's fairly new. It's only been out a couple of years. So, you know, it, it can only go up. And I feel like just the more that people see it in their face, the more that they'll take it seriously. Any uh any NLI opportunities come from uh from from your success over the past week uh, or anything uh, popping off in, in, in that category? I mean, actually not, you know. Um, but the NIL thing, I know you have to reach out, and um, I got to start doing that, uh, reaching out, and, um, using my well, platform. Yeah, big on that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to use your platform. We have to, you know, hey, Rattler Nation, you guys watching this, uh, you know, we we got we got to start connecting with our with our young fellas, especially those of you in uh, esports and gaming. Uh, we got a champion right here, and it sounds like this uh, Donald's gonna be the real deal. So, uh, you know, we we got to we have to do some things to help uh, to help uh, to help promote that. And uh, yeah, you know, you use those opportunities and avenues that you have in front of you. Um, so, Hey, Donald, look, I appreciate your time. I don't want to take too much of it. Cause I know you got practice coming up later this afternoon. Uh, I want to give you the last word, any shout outs you want to give or anything you want to tell us to be watching out for, make sure to give your, uh, social media plugs as well. Um, I just want to thank you for having me. Um, you know, you can just look forward to the dark cloud defense being on the same level as last year. You know, picking right back up. We got a lot of home games this year. Excited about that. Way more home games than Brad. And um, my social medias are my Instagram is the number one, and then Don KH. And then my Twitter is BPF, and then Don. Okay. All right. Appreciate that. We'll make sure to uh, share those throughout the show. So, Hey, uh, Donald, man, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. Congratulations on the wins. Good luck in the, uh, in the, in the next tournament. And, uh, you know, we look forward to following you all the way to the national tournament. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back on the field in the fall. All right. All right. Stay safe. Take care now. I will. Thank you. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. It's like a loop machine. All around town, trying to get it.
Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Check, okay, check. welcome welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, we apologize for the few technical difficulties. I'll tell you what, I will make sure in post-production that that full interview with Donald Hall gets into the uh, rotation. So this is all the more reason why you want to be a part of the BCSN pod zone, so that way you'll be able to hear the full interview. And if you have our Jericho Broadcast Network's app on Apple or Google, uh, just go search my JBM, my BCSN. We'll make sure that the uh, full interview gets made available there. So again, I, I a pretty good interview with Donald, a uh, real engaging young man. Um, and uh, I'm excited uh, uh, for his future. Um, and, and hopefully, like I said, he's, he gets on the field and, and is healthy. And, uh, you know, that that's also uh, – a similar, well, I won't say a similar injury, but we also kind of learned that Isaiah Land uh, is nursing an injury. He, too, is not participating in spring. Uh, we learned that from uh, the uh, recent podcast that uh, Rory Sherrard did. Uh, so that was a good podcast. I don't know what happened to the podcast. It was a good podcast, and then all of a sudden it's no longer available. I don't know if if he had to pull it down or what. I'm, I'm just saying because he, he did have an interview with with uh, A.D. Gaucher and I don't know, I don't know, maybe something was said and it had to get pulled. I, I don't know, but it was there in one minute and now I can't find it. I'm just saying. I, but I understand how that happens because it's, you know, technology can, can be a B. There you go. All right, so... Um, all right, let's go to let's go to Marquise at the combine. Um, as I go, as I take a look at the Marquise's combine uh, numbers, um, just taking a look here, uh, some of the performances from some of the HBCU guys um, who were there. You had uh, you had the Kobe Durant from South Carolina State. Uh, Joshua Williams, a defensive back from Fayetteville State. So you had three defensive backs. And then you had uh, Jatiree Carter of Southern. And from most of the reports that I have read, they were – now I saw that originally Marquise ran a 4-5 or 4-4-5. And then he came back, and if I if I if I read that correctly, he ran a four four one in correct. the uh, in the second. Say again. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, 
His name did get mentioned. Yeah, he did run a 4-4-1. His name did get mentioned and served. I'm reading an article from uh, Fan Nation 2022 NFL Combine Day 4 winners. Uh, some of the top performers from the fourth day of the Combine uh, makes mention of a few guys. And then right in there is uh, Marquise Bell. The reading says, one of the multiple HBCU products at the Combine, Bell put on a show at the NFL PA Bowl in California where his years of high-caliber play gained some recognition. That hype carried over to the Combine where Bell recorded a 4-4-1 40-yard dash and a 10.3-foot broad jump. He finished with flawless field work, including no drops and good lower body fluidity. Uh, so that <clears throat> that comes up right there along with guys like uh, Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, who is considered to be one of the top guys. And Lewis, I think the last name is Sign from Georgia, safety from Georgia. So, uh, fellas, you know, Bell could very well be a day two a day two guy by, by all accounts. I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen anybody's mock draft that really extends out that far, but um, it's Marquis show what we all thought he was capable of doing, you know, for real. And so uh, props to him. Uh, How many, if you guys had to make a prediction, how many NFL, how many HBCU guys do you think will get drafted? I, I hate I hate sending you down this rabbit hole because I swore I, I wouldn't do that, at least in terms of asking that question, but I'm asking it. So Kelvin, how many guys? What's your what's your number of HBCU guys drafted? Three. Three. Uh, wow, I, think okay. yeah, I think my I think Marquis at six two, two twelve. Um um, his video spoke for itself, and he was at his best against our best opponents, South Florida, Southeastern Louisiana, and he, you know, he was consistent. And what this combine did is show that when you put him up against the best from from a measurement standpoint, uh, that he he's among the best. So it just reaffirmed everything on on video uh, about his abilities. So uh, he's definitely, to me, a day two pick. Um, I believe South Carolina State's DB is probably a day three pick as a, you know, a slot cover guy. He's very productive. He ran a 4-4-1 also, by the way. And um, I saw where uh, the uh, other DB, I think all three DBs are probably get picked in this draft, uh, was highly um, – um, rank coming in. I think he was kind of one of the top guys coming in. So uh, I'm going to put in them at three for now. That's good. How about you, Cole? If I were playing spades, I'd say three and two possibles. <laughs> three you, and two possibles. Who are your, do you have the same three as Kelvin, and who are your same two possibles? Same three, but I, I want to say that Collier played at UCF and was a starter and, and did phenomenally. Uh, in the in the uh, in the HBCU All Star game, and I don't want to discount it, but you know, even if he doesn't get drafted, that guy's going to be playing on Sundays. So, 
Uh, I believe that he's going to have a strong shot uh, to get drafted. If he doesn't, he'll definitely make it as a uh, unrestricted free agent. And um, that's that's pretty much it, bro. But I, I can I can see five definitely making teams. I was thinking five myself, and I'm interested to see if Aquil Glass gets an opportunity on day three. I you get a I kill think- and then. Sorry. No. No, no, no. I, I'm shutting up. I, I was no, I, I well, I was just gonna say that. I think with skill positions like Collier and Bell or defensive positions and offensive tackles, I think you've seen HBCU guys get drafted in those positions probably more than any others. So it won't surprise me to see uh an offensive lineman get taken and then maybe two or three DBs, maybe three to four question is will these college coaches or uh, pro coaches and staffs have enough confidence in the ability of what they've seen from glass you know because in a in a draft class that every draft scout has said is not you know all inspiring I mean, you know, you got a one of the top quarterbacks has small hands. You know, I, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound like a good thing. Um, so if he's one of the top guys and he's only been out there for he has less accolades than than glass, you know. So I, I just got a feeling if there's gonna be five, I really hope Glass gets an opportunity to be to be one of those five if there's five. So I'm I'm going five with Glass, Bell, Collier. Um, and, and then I'll, you know, who knows where else they go from there. But, um, I, I do think you'll get a couple guys on day two and then the other ones will come on day three. Um, but yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's put a bow on the show. We're talking about the SWAC tournament here. Uh, it's taking place in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Bartow arena. I'm hoping Rattler nation in the Alabama North Florida area is going to Birmingham to, to, to be a part of this. Uh, I'm told that tickets are ranging from about 10 to $15 for the session. Uh, FAMU plays the night game at uh, 8.30 local time, 9.30 Eastern. That's tomorrow. Uh, we take on Alabama A&M. Uh, we talked a little bit about earlier in the show um, I, I think we're all on board with FAMU winning the first game. The real question is, gentlemen, how far can we go? Now that you've seen the seedings, because I do think that should factor into the answer, where do you see us going? How far do you see us advancing in the SWAC tournament, Kelvin? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, there's not much separation between the eight seeds. I think everybody done pretty much beat everybody at least once. Uh, as I look at the top four seeds, uh, I, I believe it won't go chalk. Not the top four seeds won't win. Somebody, somebody's gonna get upset, and my 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 guess would be Grambling over Southern, even though Grambling has beat Southern twice already. Uh, I I don't think I don't think that's a fluke. I think that that's a matchup issue. 
just for that game between those two teams. Um, because they've repeated it twice, and the games have looked pretty much similar both times. So this Southern shows something different, and and they shoot a three, which is you know what they're best at. And if they get really hot with the three point shot, um, I I, I think Grandville will probably end up pulling that off. I do think that Alcorn State and FAMU will play, and I'll just speak to our first opponent, Alabama A and M. They don't shoot the three very well. They're more of a defensive team. They're not a high scoring team. I don't see them going to the line twenty five times in one half again. Uh, and then we got Jalen Spears. I just think from a matchup standpoint, unlike you, my bigger question for our team it will be who I project we will meet next. I think we match up well with Alabama A&M, and they're, they're a good opponent for us. So uh, I, I do think we're going to meet Alcorn State in the next round. We, we split with them. That's kind of a toss-up game, to be honest. Um I'm going with uh, our depth. We're a little deeper, and um, our uh, our point, our, our new point guard, our returning point guard to the team that'll get us over the hump. But whoever win that game out of us and Alcorn is who I'm predicting to win the tournament. Okay, Call and I, I suspect I suspect I suspect Texas Southern will come out as the one seed to the, make the final. On the other side of the bracket. All right. What do you got, Kofi? I'm going to keep it short and simple. We can make it all the way to the finals and win, or we can lose in the first round. So that's how tight the SWAC is this year, especially uh, among your top five seeds. Um, I'm going to say my heart says fam you. Okay. Um, my mind is saying Texas Southern is going to get it done again. Um, but, uh, you know, my heart is saying, family, I think that this is an opportunity for us to stamp on an incredible year. And I think that if we can go on ahead and pull this off, that's going to be huge in us getting the all sports trophy uh, with our men's program. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, wow. You're going to the all sports award, huh? Uh, um, nice. Nice. Um, I'm going to, uh, I, I said this on the preview show. I had FAMU winning. I was the one of the only of uh, the, the four people, uh, the three other people that I was with that picked FAMU, including a, a, a Rattler alum. I won't mention his name. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had us beating, but, and then I told us, as I said, I see us playing Alcorn State too. That, that's the game that worries me because I think Alcorn is a good team. I've watched them enough. That's a, that's a good team. And yeah. I think that's a that's that's a knockdown, drag-out matchup between us and them. And so I don't know. I can't even tell you which way that's going to go. Uh, but but I, do, I do have a sense, like what you said, Kelvin, that the winner of that ball game could very well – win it all you know my thing is that texas southern the pedigree that texas southern has is just uh it, it's stifling and so while the southern grambling matchup is going to be interesting um how they deal with texas southern uh it will, will be interesting to watch but but uh yeah all, all four of these matchups you already seen the first game of the day 
Texas Southern Jackson State was a tight game. Right now, as we're talking, Preview, Preview's up 30 to 22 on Alcorn. Uh, so that game is just going to, it's going to go all the way down to the last possession. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, that's going to go down to the last possession. So the question is, you know, can Alcorn, they've been in these close games with Prairie View all season. So why should this one be any different? Uh, so we're looking forward to that at uh, 830 Central, 930 Eastern. Not sure. You know, I talked about doing a watch party. I don't know. We might. Who knows? Just keep that in mind. Uh, as you're out there watching. Got to make a quick mention here, guys, as we wrap up the show. Uh, our bowling team took second place in the TNBA Invitational uh, over the weekend. So congratulations to uh, bowling, finishing second in that race or in that contest or in that tournament, I should say. Uh, did you guys see where the... 44 car, the FAMU 44 car, run by Greg Biffle. He actually led a lap. Uh, I believe he finished in a better finish than when they had the Grambling paint scheme. So, again, that puts us one up on Grambling, and he actually led a race. And I, I kind of tweeted at Greg Biffle. You know, he was kind of happy that he got a his, he led his first race in maybe uh, several years. And I said, hey, you need to tell Mr. Cohen, keep that keep that uh, paint scheme because, you know, us Rattlers, we strike from the front. So uh, <laughs> you have you have no choice but to uh, but to continue to lead more laps with the current FAMU theme. So we'll see. Uh, I, I'm sure they'll probably go to another school, uh, you know, here shortly for another race or two. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens there with the. Uh, with the FAMU 44 car, New York racing. Got to mention softball. Softball got two wins, uh, <clears throat> two out of five, two wins out of five games played um, in Tampa over the weekend. And their schedule currently, they're 5-15 and 15 right now. Let's see what's upcoming for them. Uh, well, the games against Furman that were scheduled today got canceled. So we actually start SWAT play on Sunday, <clears throat> Sunday and Monday, we start SWAC play out in Montgomery, Alabama against Alabama State. So uh, pretty much the non-conference is over, finished 5-15, and 15, and now we pretty much get into SWAC play. For the men, <clears throat> the men took a tough one on the chin today. Men, and I'm saying men baseball, I shouldn't be saying that. Baseball took one on the chin against UCF. Down here in Orlando, I don't even know what the final score was, but I know they were down a lot. Uh, so, yeah, you can go look that up. Um, they This weekend, they are in DeLand, Florida, which is also here in Central Florida, for a three-game series against Stetson University. Uh, and that's a beautiful ballpark where DeLand plays. I may try to – there's a lot going on this weekend. Ooh, I'm not even going to tell you what the score of that game was. Yeah, it just flashed. I'm not even going to talk about it. Um, yeah. So we, we'll just keep moving forward. But anyway, this weekend against Stetson University in DeLand, <clears throat> Fridays is 6 p.m. first pitch. Saturday is 2 p.m. Sunday is 1 p.m. So Central Florida Rattlers – 
do your best to try to get over to DeLand and watch us against the Stats and Hatters. March 15th, looks like we conclude the non-conference portion of the schedule in Jacksonville against the University of North Florida. And then next weekend, we uh, take on Alabama State. So uh, there's that. All right, fellas. Well, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, Got again, want to thank Donald Hall for talking with me earlier again. You'll catch the full version of the interview on the podcast a little bit later. Got to also thank Colonel Greg Clark for joining us uh, live from Birmingham, Alabama. And I want to remind you, every Wednesday night from 8 to 10 p.m., find us on Facebook. And, of course, find us on YouTube. And uh, we appreciate everybody who has been a part of the show uh, out there on the message boards. Uh, Make sure to share, uh, like, and subscribe. At ONG Strike Zone is where you can find us. Uh, any comments, thoughts, or opinions, send them to ONGStrikeZone at gmail.com. And you can download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on your Google or Apple Play Store. Just search my JBN or my BCSN. All right, fellas, any uh, <clears throat> any last words or parting shots? I am in intercession for Tennessee State to join the SWAC. I'm praying that their administration wakes up. Their student body wants to join the SWAC. The band wants to join the SWAC. Eddie George wants to partner with. And this was President Humphrey's dying wish, just to see, you know, FAMU and Tennessee State play every year. This is one way to just go ahead and solidify that because I'm of this opinion. If they don't join the SWAC, I'm like, we don't need to play them. Until they do. No HBCU from the SWAC needs to play them. They need to feel the financial burden of this old dumb decision and why it's taking so long. That's my two cents. Uh, Calvin? Uh, Ditto to what my brother Kobe just said, and I just want to congratulate MJ Randolph, Conference Men's Basketball Player of the Year for the SWAC. Well-deserved, well-earned, and uh, I'm looking forward to them having a great tournament. Yes, indeed. Um, MJ Randolph, um, an amazing stat line this year in conference play. Uh, number two in scoring, number 10 in rebounding, number five in assists, number five in field goal percentage, number one in free throws attempted, number one in free throws made, number seven in steals, number one in minutes. The man had two 30-point games in conference. All those statistics I just gave were all in conference play. Go find me another player that was a top 10 in the major four categories. You can't find one. You won't find one. And that's why MJ Randolph is the player of the year. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, looks like Kofi's out. So guess what, Kelvin? This is you and me. We're going to get out as well. So, uh, Melody... Our producer, we want to thank her for producing. Uh, For my partners, Kelvin and Kofi, I'm Brian. Uh, You guys, thank you for watching. Rattler Nation, be safe out there and make sure wherever you are, make sure you strike, strike, and strike again. All right, good night.